0: The Bible reading is Mark 4 and it's found on page 1004 in your Bibles. Someone as they came in today left their Toyota Corolla keys out there in the foyer. They're now on the back table so if you've realised that that could be your set of keys they're there for you at the end of the service at the back table. So it's page 1004, Mark chapter 4 and we'll read the whole lot. it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns which grew up and choked the plants so that they did not bear grain. Still, other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop, some multiplying thirty, some sixty, some a hundred times. Then Jesus said, "'Whoever has ears to hear, let him hear.' When he was alone, the twelve and the others around him asked him about these parables. He told them, "'The secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to those on the outside everything is said in parables, so that they may be ever seeing but never perceiving, and ever hearing but never understanding, otherwise they might turn and be forgiven.' Then Jesus said to them, Don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? The farmer sows the word. Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Others, like seed sown in rock on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root... They last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others, like seeds sown among thorns, hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Others, like seeds sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop, some 30 some sixty, some a hundred times what was sown. He said to them, "'Do you bring in a lamp to put it under a bowl or a bed? "'Instead, don't you put it on its stand? "'For whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed, "'and whatever is concealed is meant to be brought out into the open. "'If anyone has ears to hear, let them hear. "'Consider carefully what you hear,' he continued. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and even more. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. He also said, This is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground. Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, but he does not know about it. Know how. All by itself the soil produces grain. First the stalk. Then the head, then the full kernel in the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it, because the harvest has come. Again he said, what shall we say the kingdom of God is like? Or what parable shall we use to describe it? It is like a mustard seed, which is the smallest of all seeds on earth. Yet when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants, with such big branches that the birds can perch in its shade. With many similar parables, Jesus spoke the word to them as much as they could understand. He did not say anything to them without using a parable, but when he was alone with his own disciples, he explained everything. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him why are you so afraid do you still have no faith they were terrified and asked each other who is this even the winds and the waves obey him we praise god for the gift of his written word
1: thanks mike beautifully read good morning i'm colin great to have you with us are you a good listener How's your hearing? Are you, good? Are you a good listener? I was in uh, the Red Spot Boutique Target, Target yesterday because um, I came to put a suit on. And you know it is with, with suits. You put them in the cupboard and when you get them out again, they shrink, don't they? It's a bit smaller, so I had to go and get some new trousers. Um, so I was in the changing room in Target. And it was one of those... Very unforgiving changing rooms. Like, it seems about 20 minutes, probably only two. It felt like it had 20 minute mirrors in it and I could see myself from every angle. And I was just thinking, oh, I'm, I'm more, how shall I put it, rotund than I've ever been before, I think. bit chubby chunkings. Um So I went home to, to lament with my wife, Sharon, and um, her sympathetic response was, it's because you don't listen to me. I've been telling you for ages that you should take the dog out for a walk as soon as you get up in the morning. That's why we got a dog, apparently, so I could take it for a walk first thing in the morning. You've not been listening to me. Today, we're, looking, we're going to look specifically at the parable of the sower, so those first 20 verses of Mark 4. And it's a parable Jesus tells and explains. It's all about hearing the word, hearing the word. Jesus tells us what happens when God sows his word in us, uh, what the different results in people we can expect um, when they hear who Jesus is. So just to get you in the picture, this is our third talk in a series looking at Mark's gospel to answer the question, who is Jesus? We've seen that Jesus is the long-awaited Messiah, the anointed one, promised by God hundreds of years before this, um, who will bring justice and peace with God. Uh, we saw that Jesus turning up means that the kingdom of God is at hand. God's rule is here. And we've seen that Jesus is the game changer. The one who's come to do what religion can never do, and deal with our rebellion against God and and the death that that brings. Taking the punishment we deserve. Uh, Immediately before this parable, in chapter 3, there seems to be a bit of an insider-outsider thing going on. Um, in what Mark tells us, so Jesus has chosen twelve people, twelve blokes, to be his disciples. So his kind of in a circle of insiders. And then when someone tells Jesus that his mum and his bro- brothers are outside, Jesus says in chapter 3:35, "Whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother." Uh, and it seems he's broadening out that definition of who is in Jesus' family, who is part of, who is an insider. But the religious leaders of the time, they've become outsiders to Jesus. They don't like what he's doing, so they're already plotting to kill him, have him killed. Uh, And they claim all the healing and powerful good stuff that he's doing comes from the devil, His evil stuff. The word about Jesus has been making insiders and outsiders. And as we join the action now, the crowd's gotten so big that verse 1 Jesus gets in a boat so he can speak to them from the lake. He can picture them all gathered on the shore, you know, the front row getting their feet wet. And we're told in verse 2, Jesus taught them many things by parables. So what's a parable? It's it's best not to try and define them too tightly because as soon as you do, you read another one and it's slightly different to your definition. Um, They're pretty varied, but they use simile and allegory and allusion and all those other difficult words you you learn in English lit they use tangible things from everyday life to explain great truths about God, about his kingdom, about God's rule. But the parable is a good one, because we hear the parable, and then Jesus explains it for us. We hear the parable 3 to 8, and Jesus explains it, verses 14 to 20. But it begs the question, doesn't it? Why did Jesus teach in parables? I mean, why not just tell it straight? When I was a kid, I used to watch this cartoon, Dungeons and Dragons. Um, It's about a group of friends, proper eights is this, a group of friends who were whisked away during a roller coaster ride to some um, fantasy land of dragons and wizards and all that sort of thing. And the rest of the series was about their adventures trying to get home. And there was this sort of wise Yoda type figure, the dungeon master. He used to drive me nuts. Is he'd turn up at the end of every episode, and it's supposedly benevolent, but he'd come up and say some weird sort of cryptic-sounding advice, like, the path that goes down must also go up and around, but is not a loop. Or something cryptic like that. And I would just yell at the telly, just tell them how to get home. So is this what Jesus is doing? Why don't just Jesus just tell it straight? So this brings to the first point. I'm sorry, I'm not going to outline you for... In your leaflets, but there's one on the screen here. Verses 10 to 13. It's kind of a gardener's question time because the disciples have got questions. Verse 10. When he was alone, the 12 and the others around him asked him about the parables. So, first, the broader issue why parables? Uh, he told them, The secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to those on the outside, everything is said in parables. So that they may be ever seeing, but never perceiving, and ever hearing, but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. Hey? Eh? Is Jesus using parables so that those on the outside won't perceive or understand? So they won't get it? So they won't turn and be forgiven? What's going on here? Is Jesus being cr- deliberately cryptic so that outsiders remain on the outside? Verse 11, the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to the 12. So that word for secret, mysterion, is the word we get mystery from. And it has a sense of divine mystery. So stuff about God that we didn't know. But like any good Scooby-Doo mystery, this one's been solved. Because throughout the New Testament, especially in Paul's writing, this mystery of God, the secret, uh, becomes synonymous. It means the same as the gospel about Jesus. Jesus is this secret and now revealed as he announces the kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe. If you look forward a few verses to verse 22, this parable about a lamp on a stand. Whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed and whatever is concealed is meant to be brought out into the open. Jesus life teaching his resurrection is the kingdom of God. Being broadcast loud and clear. The parables are used by Jesus to broadcast the good news about him and God's kingdom loud and clear. But these parables, they push you off the fence. You either hear them and follow Jesus, or you hear them and harden your heart against him. Verse 12. They may be ever seeing, but never perceiving, ever hearing, but never understanding. Otherwise, I might turn and be forgiven. That's a quote from Isaiah 6, the prophet Isaiah, from about 700 years earlier. Uh, Isaiah is just met face to face, the living God. And he's receiving his commission as a prophet, his, his mission in life as a prophet, to give a message, a simple message, to repent and believe. But it's a message that God guarantees will be met with a hard-heartedness, won't be listened to, and that that will bring his judgment in the form of exile, like eviction from the promised land. Isaiah's audience are completely responsible for their own response. And yet, God ordains that they be hard-hearted and so face judgment. It's all part of God's just and fair and loving plan to bring about the ultimate good. And Jesus, as we get to this parable, Jesus is saying that this is the situation he is in right now with this current generation, especially the religious leaders. See, like Israel of old, of 700 years before, they treat evil like it is good, and they treat good like it is evil, uh, including now in their response to Jesus. So the parables separate the wheat from the chaff. They're kind of like the Harry Potter sorting hat of Jesus preaching. They're grace and life to those who hear and believe. But they add judgment in the form of hardening of heart to those who reject Jesus. So Jesus isn't being cagey or vague to make sure people get condemned. He's being realistic about the response his parables are going to bring to the situation there and then. This generation he's talking to are going to be judged in the form of the hard-hearted belief that they respond with. Unbelief, sorry. Yet there is hope. There is possibility, isn't there? They might turn and be forgiven. See, the punishment in Isaiah's message was to bring about ultimate good. To clear the decks, to get rid of evil and re-establish a remnant a new generation who are holy and love God. And Jesus' parables are the same for us today. They tell us something about Jesus and God's kingdom, and we will either draw closer to Jesus, or we'll move away from him. And just a side note, if we're struggling to understand the the parables, we can do what the disciples did. Come to Jesus in prayer, in reading the Bible, and ask him to help us understand what on earth they mean. But why do the parables have such massive consequences? I think it's because this, what this parable especially shows us is, is that the kingdom of God, God's real rule, is arriving with words, with teaching, with action. Yes, Jesus is doing miracles and healing. But back in chapter 1, verse 38, Jesus says people clamoring, to, coming to him for healing. Jesus says, let's get out of here so I can preach. That is why I have come. The gospel, the good news about of Jesus, his life, teaching, death, and resurrection, comes to us in words. It's a message to be heard and accepted. A message to be heard and accepted. So that's Gardner's question time over with. Let's have a look at the parable itself, and we get different Crop reports, if you like. Four different results we can expect. So Jesus explains that the, the seed is the word. That is the good news, gospel, that the kingdom has come in Jesus. And that's what Jesus is talking about specifically here. The good news about him. But we, we also know that scripture, the Bible, is also the word of God. The way God speaks to us now. So I think it's it's okay for us to think about how, the in this context, how the Bible uh, speaks to us. And how this parable Talks about that. So, the seed is the word, and we are the different types of soil or situation the seed lands in. And note, what happens in this parable is what happens to the word that God sows and the consequences for the person. It's not about um, how good or bad our preaching or teaching of the word is, it's about how the word sown, spoken to us through the word by God Himself, is received. So it's not a parable about three bad ways and one good way to sow God's word. The parable is about how the sowing of God's word is received, heard. So Jesus gives us this behind-the-scenes tour of what happens when the gospel is preached. And more particularly, he shows us how we do or don't hear the word how we do or don't hear the word. That hearing word, akuo, that's in these verses nine times. The word word, logos, that's in there eight times. So don't miss the big idea. It's about hearing the word. So to the first cop, which is taken away. The farmer sows the word. Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Uh, We haven't got time to look at who Satan is, but big picture is um, real, hostile, malignant reality. Um, Destination is a fiery lake, but he still fights against God. And forget any sort of horror movies I did or sort of weird occultic stuff. Here's where the real action is. What Satan is really against is anyone hearing the word. And Jesus says, this is what happens to some people when they hear the word of God. So how do we see this today in our lives? Um, I'm gonna, we're going to play you a clip from the classic art house film, Rush Hour 3. So what you need to know is Detective Carter is in a martial arts academy and he's looking for a guy called Master Yu. Why you? Master Yu. Just watch. It's self-explanatory.
0: May I help you? We'll be asking the questions, old man. Who are you? You. No, not me, you. Yes, I am you. Just answer the damn questions. Who are you? I have told you. Are you deaf? No, you is blind. I'm not blind, you blind. That is what I just said. You just said what? I did not say what. I said you. That's what I'm asking you. And you is answering. Shut up. You. Yes. Not you, him. What's your name? Me. Yes, you. I am me. He's me. And I'm you. And I'm about to
1: You get the idea. See, Carter's problem is that he's just not getting what, he's, he's not hearing what is being said to him because he's brought to the situation a, a framework, a heap of expectations, frames of reference and preconceptions that are preventing him from hearing properly what he's being told. If he just had accepted the answer, I am you, he would have been able to get on with his investigation. Satan deceives with lies. And misconceptions. So when my old friend from youth camps used to go on, he wrote on Facebook the other day, that only only what can be scientifically measured is worth believing. He's brought into a lie which stops him hearing the word. He's intellectually shielding himself from the word of God so that it will not grow in him. Uh, For me, when I was young, brought up in a good church, Christian family, The danger for me was immunity to the gospel, brought about by familiarity. I heard the gospel so much, I just stopped listening, trusting in my family's faith rather than trusting in Jesus. And we still hear Satan's lies, trying to take the word away from us as we hear it, don't we? This doesn't apply to you. This is too hard for you to understand. You'll never be good enough for this. Lies. God's word is for you. And God will keep transforming you with it. So next up, we've got the crop that is uh, fallen away. Verses 16 and 17. Others, like seed sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. This is the kind of hearing of the word that says, sure, I'll follow Jesus, just so long as I reckon it benefits me. There's no depth of hearing that living in the kingdom of God will mean suffering in this world. It's where people say, Jesus rocks, but only until following him rocks their world. The gospel is great news. It gives people joy Right relationship with God. Eternal life. We should rejoice. But Jesus is clear. We shouldn't be surprised when some who genuinely seem to have got it, to have heard, fall away when the going gets tough. So I don't want to be that person. So how do we grow roots? How do we make sure we won't fall away? Feelings change. But God's exceeding great and precious promises last forever. So get to know them. So when you know, for example, John six thirty seven, all the Father gives to Jesus will come to him, you won't be afraid of falling away. When you know 1 John 1 verse 9, if you confess your sins, God is faithful and forgives our sins, you won't be crippled by guilt or trying to work your way back to God. And when you know in your heart, Psalm 32 verse 8, God promises to teach and counsel you, keeping his loving eyes on you you'll never feel like you're doing it alone. It's not rocket science. You put down roots where you spend your time and energy, where you can be found. So be found reading the Bible and praying every day. Be found hanging out with each other so that you can help each other bear the burden, encourage one another, provide refuge for one another where it's normal and safe to talk about things of God. Organize your Saturday so that you physically here on Sunday, uh, ready to listen, your brain, you're fresh, ready to listen, to hear the word of God and let it take root in you. So then there are those for whom the word of God is crowded out, so still others, this is 18 and 19, still others, like sea sown amongst thorns, hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. There's a lot of noise in this world. There are many things competing for your attention and for your care. And if Jesus is right in this parable, most people end up hearing anything but the word. And just because you've heard the word, it doesn't mean the noise is going to stop. It's always going to be competing for your attention. So in the great all-you-can-eat buffet of life, There's only so much you can fit on your plate. The great iPod of life has got many tracks to choose from, but only a few can make it onto your playlist. Jesus is clear and realistic. Even those who accept the word of God can end up missing out on their potential by letting all the noise drown out the important voice, Jesus' voice. So have a listen. Listen. Whose voice are you listening to the most? What's the first thing to fall off your plate when it gets too full? What tracks are you putting on your playlist? Because wealth and the things we desire, the things we worry about, they can never, never deliver the life and love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness, faithfulness, that the word can through God's spirit. Keep Keep wealth and the things of this world in their place. Have them serve the word that grows, not choke it. So that brings us to our final bumper crop. This is those who hear the word and accept it. Verse 20. Others like seed sown in good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop. Some 30, some 60, some 100 times what was sown. What do we need to do for God's word to bear fruit in us? We just have to accept it. Accept that Jesus is God's kingdom being at hand. Accept that Jesus is the one sent by God to save us. Accept that we need to turn around and follow him. So the good news is that some who hear the word will accept it. And some will go on to surprise with great fruitfulness. We've got to know that Jesus tells us much of our ministry, much of our sowing of the word will have little or no return. The word will be rejected. Jesus himself was rejected. Rejected by the very ones who should have heard him and accepted him. Rejected to the extent of being crucified because of the word he sowed. But hearing the word is how people get to enter the kingdom of God. Through hearing and rejecting the word, many will miss out on forgiveness and remain outsiders to God's kingdom. But many, a surprising number, through hearing the mysteries of God through the word, Will accept it and be fruitful. Who is Jesus? Jesus is the parable preacher, sowing in you the word that He is the one who can save you into what you were made for life in loving, right relationship with God. Will you hear and accept Him? So we to be warned. There are many ways to not hear the word. There are many ways to crowd out what you have heard. But be encouraged. Despite all the odds, God will win a bumper crop of those who hear and accept the word. And be assured, if you hear and accept Jesus, you will go on to produce fruit now and forever in him. going to pray for us. Lord, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the word. Uh, Thank you for the truth about Jesus. Please uh, let us hear that and accept it. Amen. We're going to celebrate uh, communion together in a few minutes, but just have